Welcome to the Ashburnham Golf Club Members Podcast, where you can get to know some of our members, stay up to date with current affairs, and even hear from some of our staff members. Here's your host, your head PGA professional, Tom Davis. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ashburnham Golf Club Podcast. And today uh, I've got a bit of a legendary guest, um, <laughs> <laughs> made him laugh already. And uh, th- this is kind of exactly what I, I want to do with the podcast is, you know, get some members on, get some of the staff members on. And uh, today's guest, I'm sure, is going to provide us with loads of value. And I can't wait to chat to him a little bit more and dig deeper into kind of where it all started. But I'd like to say a big welcome to Alid Greville. Alid, how are you? Not too bad, thank you. I'm all right. Not too bad. Thank you very much for the intro. Very kind. That's all right. It could have been a lot worse, couldn't it? <laughs> where Where are you at the moment? Currently in Birmingham. I'll come back. So some people who don't know, I'm in the University of Birmingham in my third year doing sport and exercise sciences. Nice. Um, so I've just come back for a week. Um, got a few physio sessions up here uh, with my rehab. I'm sure we'll go on to that injury a little bit later on in the podcast. But yeah, um, up here doing a bit of work. Um, coming back like my mum would like this coming back tomorrow for a birthday (laughs) well this podcast is probably going to go out uh either end of the week or after that so you can she can have a listen and you know she can obviously (laughs) see that it was an intentional visit not just an accident that you've turned up on a birthday (laughs) so i'll give it give us an idea uh like right now what what it's been like for you kind of with lockdown, all the golf courses being closed. Um, it's obviously really tough for all the members who can't play, um, but I would say almost tougher for like elite golfers who are used to playing, practicing every single day. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been in that mode of playing every day, but I, I can kind of, I can, I, I just know that you have a couple of days off when you used to play in every day and it feels like you've had a six months off. How has it, how has it yeah. been for you the last, uh, I don't know, last year, been, I guess? It's been difficult. Uh, it's been, as I said, it's been new for it. What's good about it is it's been the same for everybody. Mm. Nobody's falling behind and nobody, uh, nobody's going way ahead. Um, it shouldn't have been a little bit weird. I haven't played, I normally play competitive golf, especially tournaments-wise, at least every month, maybe, give or take, in the winter, but especially in the summer. And I think my last tournament was in Portugal in... 2020 in February last year. So it's, wow. been, it's been a year of not playing, other than the club comps, it's been a year not playing competitive golf. Yeah. Um, and I've never experienced that, to be honest. It's been, I've never experienced that much of a gap being out. Yeah. Um, and it's just been strange. And it's not even like I've been able to practice properly. I've yeah. been lucky enough to have it in the back garden and stuff. Yeah. But it's just been a little bit stop start and not being able to know what's around the corner. Like I'm trying to plan. I told my coach about it, trying to plan tournaments ahead. And it's just like, well, I mean, this might happen, this might happen, this might you got to, there's so many different variables that can come into it. Yeah. Uh, maybe a new lockdown and stuff. So, yeah, it's been tough to plan, really. That's That's been the most difficult thing I've found. Um, but I've made, I managed to practice as much as I can, stay in contact with my coach, loads of online lessons, um, loads of Zoom calls. I've been tired of having Zoom calls for the last <laughs> But um, yeah, that's, that's that's the way it's been. Really, it's been a little bit stop start, not really knowing yeah. what's going on. It's is, is it easier or harder to practice for you when you're in uni or when you're at home? Um, at home for me because I literally live about five minutes away. Even just I could walk there probably as quick as I can drive there. Yeah. So home definitely, but um, I don't mind being in uni because I got a. I, I, just, I just drive to I play an edge Baston Golf Club in um, yeah. in Birmingham. I just drive there. The facilities there are pretty good. They have got floodlit um, chipping green, which is nice. Oh, so nice. I can go there. It's really good. Class. Um, yeah, yeah. I I definitely say I prefer go practicing in um, in Ashburnham. Definitely. Do you know you mentioned they're practicing in Edge Baston? Edge Baston's a um, it is a parkland course, isn't it? What how has it been like for you? Because you're obviously used to playing from tight surfaces, and I know you've had lots of experience playing other courses. But just spending a lot of time on a parkland practice area, 
that must be quite weird. Yeah, really different. I've I speak to loads of loads of people, especially new I meet loads of golfers who only play Parkland, and I'm there, and it's like sitting up on the grass, like a couple of inches off the floor, and I can't stand it. I'm so used to being in ash type lies, and that's yeah. like oh, it's a little like spinny one in now, lovely. But there, I don't enjoy it. I mm. just, I just, because I've always grown up playing uh, links golf. Yeah. I prefer those type lies. Yeah. Um, and how wet it gets there as well. It's just like you've got to adapt so much. Yeah. I'm, I've never been so dirty coming off a golf course. <laughs> like, we're so lucky being in Ash. I like, I go there. I don't even have to. I could wear white trousers and they're still white. I go yeah. and play a parkland course here, and I'm coming off and they're brown. Yeah. It's, uh, it's that it is night and day different, and especially I think. The one thing I found very different to Lynx and Parkland, the people who play Park more Parkland golf, is all carry. Like we yeah. think we hit it so far down here, but we might pitch our drives might pitch two twenty and running out to two seventy. Like, oh, I'm on, I'm too average here. Yeah, and it's like oh, <laughs> when I went in there, then you hit him three, you went into a par four. You're like, ooh. <laughs> I I definitely think though, like having your kind of upbringing into golf where you've been exposed like early on in your golfing career to Lynx golf I think it's a much easier transition to go Lynx Parkland than Parkland Lynx and um, especially from a short game perspective because those skills around the greens from tight lies is something which is very I I think very difficult to teach Um, and just for, for you to be able to just call upon that you know from all your experience you know, over mm. uh, probably 15, 16 years of playing? Probably been that long now. Yeah, it has, it has been a long time. Yeah, mm. I, I can't... I, I talked to my man about it. Like, when when did I join as a junior? Yeah. You think? Because I was around... You might have, might have joined, joined around five or something like that, but I've been yeah. walking a court since I've been able to walk. Yeah, so, um, that's class. Yeah. yeah it's good, good. So Ashburnham was your first exposure to golf and out, I guess? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it was there. And then me, I had lessons with you in um, Machanes. I remember when you had hair in Machanes. Remember you have lessons? I'll, I, like I said to you before we logged on now, right? Let's not go down the abusive route. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got, I got to be. Well, you are stating facts, to be fair to you. Um, so you can lean on that a little bit. But I've got to be honest with you. I think that. Um, I think I look better without hair. Um, at least that's I, I, what I've been telling myself for five years anyway um, and I, I don't miss it one bit I don't miss going to you know the hairdressers especially now um, yeah, yeah, well exactly you see some people now they've got dreadful hair you know hairdos you know not being able to get into uh, but but yeah, uh, yeah. Go, go, yeah go ahead. Was, um, starting off in Ash um, always have been and always will be member then um I did have lessons in, I'd left with John Peters when he was a McInnes. Yeah. I'd left you when you were a McInnes. Um, but yeah, always, always been playing that Ash. I don't think I could, because I've always grown up there. I've always got that, mm. that like emotional connection to it anyway. Yeah. Um, and it's such a great golf course to, I think, grow up on because it's such a, it's such a, it's such a good links golf course because it's, you kind of got that element of, um, how hard some holes are, I can pick, I don't know, holes like 9, 15, but you also got kind of like other like rewarding holes, like maybe stuff like 3 and then 13, where it's literally 120 yard par 3 and I've hit 4 iron and I've hit 60 degree in there. Yeah. It's kind of like that variation of, you, it's the same golf course, but you could play it so many different ways. Yeah. And that's what I just love about the golf course, especially Lynx golf. Yeah. And I think as well, like regardless of the wind direction, I think it's a very fair golf course. Like if if the wind is off the right, off the left, into downwind, whichever the way the the wind is on that day, you know all the holes. I think they play so differently with different wind conditions, and I genuinely believe it's one of the fairest links courses that I've played. And I think if you go out there and play well, you will get rewarded. Um, but at the same time, it can be you know it can be quite punishing if you're if you're off track a little bit in the wrong spots. You know it's uh, yeah Especially that rough having to grow now in between. Well, my my dad says it's what it was like back in the nineties. Now when he played, oh um, really? Yeah, when especially with the rough between the first and eighteen is now grown. Members have seen it's grown over lockdown. I think it's brilliant. Given yeah, addition to that hole now, um, starting to grow between the second and seventeen. Mm. Um, so holes like that, I think of um, 
developed over lockdown. I think actually it's helped it. Yeah. Um, um, more of a better like spectacle, especially when you're just looking at it like that first hole, just seeing that little bit of a definition. It's brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree with you, especially on the first there. I think when that rough on the left, like short left and on the right-hand side, just to the left of the road, um, when that's not there, I almost feel like that first hole has got nowhere near as much character. Um, you know, it, it doesn't... I don't think it looks intimidating with the rough there anyway, but it, it just you just rock up on that first hole and you're just like, wow. You know, yeah, this yeah. I, I'm on a Lynx course, I'm on a championship course, and I, I just think it's fantastic. I think, I think it has made holes look way better mm. that rough. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree. But I think I do think as well there's like a fine balance in there between having the rough up to your knees um yeah. and providing a product which, you know, is still fair for the members who want to go yeah. and play their day in, day out. And I and I, th- I think at the moment that that balance is there. I think so. I mean I've spoken to both ends of the spectrum. I've spoken to people who are like, oh look, let's grow the rough up to your knees. Let's get it as Ash used to be in yeah. 1950s and it was brutal to play. But then I spoke to other people and they're like, well, I don't want to go losing 18 balls yeah. around. It's yeah. like, you understand? Well, like, I would, I've got to be honest, I wouldn't want to go out there and want to lose every, a ball every hole. No. Like it just gets tough. It's such a hard balance. And as I said, I think, I think the Greens have done that, to be fair, is getting a balance of rough but not too penalising. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's, it's almost one of those where you've got to set the course up in a way where it... It looks like a Lynx course. It looks like it's got a lot of definition and character, but actually it's relatively forgiving. Um, and I think if you can strike that balance with any Lynx golf course, you can have a great product for the members, a great product for the visitors, and um, fingers crossed it'll result in, in more custom. Hopefully. hopefully. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Al, we, you've given us a bit of a, a background on kind of where it started. Um, over the last, let's say, five or six years, Give us an idea on um, how your progression has been because, like, I, I hear a lot of the members talking about you and how talented you are, which is, you know, r- rightly so. And they see some of your scores that you've been shooting, especially over the last year. I mean, they've been bloody ridiculous. Um, it's almost like every time you go out, you shoot two, three, four, and, uh, you know, make make it look easy. Um and I don't quite think that a lot of the members who see your scores over the last couple of years kind of understand like how hard you've worked to get there. So give us an idea on kind of like where you were coming to the end of your kind of like junior days and how things have progressed then since then. Um, so I'd say probably when I started to feel like I could perform was probably when I was around 17. Yeah. Um, made the cut in the, like our British Arm, Junior's British Arm. Um, then it goes into the top 32 knockout. On my first knockout, really good. And then I played against the reigning, the reigning champion. Yeah. And then, stupidly, just like inexperienced probably, it was two up with like five to play and lost on the 21st. Um, against the reigning, and that gave me a little bit of confidence to be like, right, I can, I can do this. It's just a little bit of tidying up to do, well, a lot of tidying up to do, but it's like there. Yeah. And had a, well, bump like a major bump in the road. Then I had a bad back, bad back injury in 2018. Okay. Um, so that kind of like set me back. I had a because um, I got like IBS. Kind of those muscles were pulling on my back muscles, and mm. I'd have quite a lot of back spasms. Yeah. I remember being I remember being down the practice ground. My dad um, in the morning, and I literally he had to carry both of our bags back up. I could look. I was walking like I just couldn't. I could hardly walk, and I was like, "All oh, right, this is a bit of a kick in the teeth." So that yeah. there's a lot of a lot of like mental work, a lot of rehab work, um, and it was a it's really tough year in 2018 because I saw people who I was who I thought I was far better than scoring far better than, and then they started kind of like obviously they had more time to practice and they were starting to get up to like my level then and I was like ah yeah. oh, it's a little bit demoralising yeah especially with the hard work I got to in 2017 2018. Mm. And I kind of like it looked like it just fell off a cliff. And I remember standing, played Port Rush in, um, in the British Arm the next year, and I could not hit the ball at a paper bag. I was just struggling so bad. Like I've looked at the swings there, and I could just see myself in pain trying to work around it. And I was like, I just shouldn't have gone. If I, when I look back, I just shouldn't have played yeah. in the way I tried to play. Um, and it's kind of like nice to look back at that now mm. and see the hard work I've had to put into there. 
put into to come back to where I am now. And yeah. uh, there's a better player. Um, and I think I think around there. about that time is that the time where I came down to the Ash and helped you out with a driver before I started. Yeah. That wasn't oh, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right, exactly that time. Mm. Yeah, and we've seen that few swing videos there. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, it's, yeah, it's way, way different. That would have been... Well, I started... No, that would have been 20... Something, maybe. Or maybe something like was that, it? yeah. Or maybe start but, of 2018. Yeah. Maybe the start of 2018. I think it would have been Yeah, yeah. So, so like, you know, you, you talk about going into the British boys, got loads of confidence from, uh, from that tournament. Um... And once those back issues started to play up and cause you problems, did did that injury like dictate the way in which your swing developed then over kind of like a six to twelve month period? Do, do you know what I mean? As in, like, did the injury make your swing worse or better? Oh, way worse. And I think it would be it made me a bit of a reality check of where my physical state was at that point as well. Mm. Like. You see so much with golf these days. You got to be, you got to be strong. Um, boys are literally like athletes now playing golf. It's not like yeah. it was back in sixties, fifties, where you were walking under the cigar and a pint in your bag. It's like, yeah. like literally like athletes now. Um, and I think that was kind of like not, not a reality check. You just made me understand being like, right, I got to work. I got to get my body to be mm. fit, strong, healthy, just being able to play golf. And I yeah. never thought of it. Like that, I got to be honest. Um, and I think it's something members can definitely bring into their game as well like talking to my dad about it, it we do, i do stretches before i go to play and my dad goes on play he's like oh am i struggling my back today and then all right i tell him right we'll do stretches today now uh before you go out and he's like puffing and panting he's like breathing so early before going out but he can i can feel such a difference yeah so much so much more free and one thing i definitely would recommend people get it is everybody's heard before is a foam roller before they go out to play yeah just getting you to be more supple, being able to swing around your body. It's I can't stress enough how much of a difference it is. Yeah, um, I agree. I I through that injury. Yeah. It's helped me kind yeah. of like open my eyes to be like, right, okay, this is what I need to be doing. Um, mm. So it definitely made me swing worse, 100%. I feel like especially looking at those videos. Yeah. But, um, I, I remember yeah. you mentioning to me um, at that point when I seen you in 2018 that you'd already started to make progress with your swing by then. <laughs> And I remember you saying to me, at your worst, your trackman numbers with an eight iron were were pretty dreadful. And and give us an idea on kind of what numbers I'm referring to there and, and where they were at. So the worst one I can bring out was I was hitting up. I think I think I was hitting maybe two up on my uh, eight iron, and obviously my attack we had attack angle should be around minus four, minus minus four, I'd say, then with an eight iron. I tried to strive for anyway. Yeah. And I was actually hitting up on my eight iron. And to put that in perspective, I don't even hit that far up now on my driver. I tried yeah. to get it two up. I physically can't do it at a minute. I'm yeah. still gonna work it But that got that was to the extent of how bad I was. I was thinking I was something like nine from the inside. It was um yeah, it was a it was a dark place back then when yeah. I was um, and and just to to give any of the listeners and some of the members a bit of context here as well. When we're talking about attack angle, we're talking about um, the angle that that club actually approaches the golf ball. And what you're looking for with an iron especially is you're looking for a downward blow where you're taking ball first, then turf. And typically what you would see on tour from like a seven or eight iron, just like Al had said, you're probably looking at, you know, a good number would be between four and five down on it. Um, and most members who would take a divot would be down on it. Even if you don't take a divot, you're probably still hitting down on it ever so slightly. Um, but for a player of Aled standard to be too up on it with an eight iron is, um, yeah, you're you're a long way away from uh, from being in a good spot there. Um, which is which is interesting. And and you also made reference there to your your club path as well, huh? Yeah, so that's where your ball, um, how far inside or outside, people can talk about coming over the top of it, coming very, very much on the inside, um, kind of like a draw, the way you hit a draw. But I was yeah. around, obviously neutral would be perfect, score would mm. be zero, nobody very rarely gets that. But if you put it in some context, I was coming from nine on the inside, which is 
yeah. drastically. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, I, I always use like when I'm using the TrackMan in the studio, I always use kind of about five or six to be a limit um, from the inside or the outside. And I think once you start to get to five or six, what what it does then is it starts to make you extremely one dimensional in terms of your ball flight, and you start to you have to start the golf ball a long way away from your intended. Uh, target to actually get it back on target if you're more than six uh, from the inside or from the outside so um yeah i i mean it'd be really interesting for anybody who's listening and is a member of the studio actually go in there with an eight die and next time you're in there and try and get uh you know an attack angle of positive two and a club path of positive nine and that that'll give you an idea on kind of um yeah on where mm-hmm. Alice's numbers were yeah yeah good luck <laughs> Good luck. Yes. Might, you might have back spasms after that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe don't try it, actually. <laughs> so from, from that point then, Al, you started to make progress then um, back to where you, well, to where you are now. But what, what did that involve, like, from a strength and conditioning perspective, from a physio perspective, from a coaching perspective as well? Um, like, what was the process in you kind of getting back to where you were and even getting to a point there where you feel like you could progress from where you were as well? It was loads of hard work, dedication. Just, I was, like, the menial work in the gym, like, the work that you just don't want to do because it's you don't feel like you get any better. Yeah. Like breathing techniques in bed. Um, I went to see a very good um, physio, to be fair, Joan Joan Elphinstone. Yeah. Uh, in Cardiff, um, so travelled up there nearly. He was like once a week for about a um, couple of months to go and see her. Mm. And I was like breathing exercises, and I was there being like, "Oh, this is not." It. I was in bed doing these breathing exercises as a eighteen-year-old. I'm like, "What am I doing? This is just like." It's just pointless. But then I look back at it now being like, I'm so glad that I was like so diligent to do those type of things. I think it's that type of work that I said, people don't see, but it's that type of work that gives you the, create the benefits, yeah. not about squatting the heavy weights and doing all that. It's kind of like those little things that I'm like, why on earth am I doing this? Yeah. And I'm glad looking back now because that's helped me so much. Um, and yeah, I just worked a lot on my strength conditioning, a lot of nutrition was important. Um, trying to lose a bit of weight obviously um, around that time as well and then it was quite good because my coach Gareth James and Neil Matthews helped me as well we were up in um, uh, Welsh coach um, it was good that I kind of it was more like it was like my team yeah. they were kind of talking to the physio and it's not just I've got a physio I've got a strength conditioning coach I've got a golf coach you were all kind of like one team and kind of like contacting each other to be like right okay this is what we're working on this is what we're working on. And it was good to kind of like combine all those together. So I'm not working on different teams. It's just my one team. Yeah. Um, so that was that was something that helped me a lot, was kind of like that one, my kind of like performance team. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that I think like from an athlete's perspective, if you can get a team around you where literally your job is to go to a session, get instruction, and then go and do it, rather than your job being... I need to go to a session, I need to communicate with the coach, what the strength and conditioning coach has said, what the physio said, and then before you know it, you're halfway through the session. And and I think that that team environment, like you say, like I call it the golden triangle, because, you know, I, I do a lot of club fitting and I work with a lot of players who have coaches. And I always say that, you know, if the club fitter and the coach and the player can work all together, then like that that is like a golden triangle but then more from an elite perspective if you can add strength and conditioning nutrition physio um all your other bits involved there i mean it's uh like you say it's 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 awesome for the athlete yeah so going through all of that then al um how long did that take you just out of interest so like to to get uh to, to to a standard where you feel like you you were one step ahead of where you were in 2017 um, if I'm being honest, still ongoing. Um, yeah. but I think because I've obviously still got to keep on top of that sort of stuff, it never goes away. Yeah, I think that's something as well I've learned. It's never going to go away. You've got to keep on top of it. Um, so it kind it kind of I started getting on top of that work. Um, probably at the end of 2018 when I 2019 when I started getting Zuni. Mm. Um, and that first year was a 
big, it was another tough year to start off, especially because I remember going there, I had a scholarship, everybody was like, nobody else in the golf team had a scholarship and I was there and I was like standing on the first tee, everybody expecting to watch me and I was still going through struggling with it. Yeah. And I didn't want to be there, like really did not want to be there, like so scared I'd miss the ball. Oh, really? And me, genuinely, on the first tee there, I was like, oh, just make contact with the ball and just get it down there, please. That's how, like, bad it was. Yeah. And it was it was tough because where the golf... I'm lucky I got a car up in the evening now, um, but where I was living and in relation to the golf course, it was something like... I think it might have been, like, 10-minute 10, 10 drive. It was a good walk. I couldn't walk there. Um, so I had to catch Ubers there and back, which is, like, um, a little, like a taxi... There and back, that's that was like that was expensive as well. Trying to be able to practice, um, be able to practice for the winter, trying to get back, back up in there. That's why I was saying it's easier. I feel back then it was easier to practice back in Ashburnham, yeah. Um, that took a lot of hard work. Then I, I, I then I go and see my coach at Wrexham. Then, so I'd, what I would do is loads of the boys would go out in a night out, I wouldn't, I'd be in bed by nine reading my book, I'd have a train that half six in the morning so I'd be carrying my bag golf bag with me through the university to get to the train station it was pitch black at half six people, people coming back from their night out and I'd sit on a train with my golf clubs being like going for an hour two hour less in Wrexham but I think I look people say then oh that I must have been like so dedicated and people to do that but I don't really see it as a as like a hardship, it's just like something I love doing and yeah. it's one of the better. It's kind of like that cliche thing of like just enjoy the process of it, not the outcome. Yeah. And those are kind of like the things I did um in twenty nineteen and at the end it paid off. Um started seeing a lot of scores get better with me. Um started getting a little bit more confidence and then it's um ended up winning the RNA Scholars event in Scotland then and that was it was it was one of them I didn't really expect. It was just nice to kind of like, I was hoping to go there. First time playing the old course. I was like, oh, this is going to be really nice. Never played the old course before. Um, and I would think I was something like, you know, six shots going back into it in the, in the last rounds. We play the format, where the format works is it's two rounds in the Eden course in um, St Andrews and then the last round in, uh, where was it? Oh yeah, the old course, obviously. Um, yeah. So then I was, Six shots back of a boy called Keelan Rafferty, and he played the Walker Cup last year. Yeah. So six shots going back. I just wanted to have a good score. First time I've that, I've never seen the old course before. Played it. I managed to shoot seven under and win by two. He just had a bad day and ended up winning by two. Wow. And yeah, it was just I look like me and my dad talk about it like quite a lot now, and it's such like it shows like all that hard work of getting up at six and not all my mates going out and I'm walking there through a train station at half six in the morning in my golf clubs. Um, just makes it all worthwhile, do you know what I mean, looking back and then I was lucky enough from there to um, get a Palmer Cup spot then. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was a pretty big year there, 2019, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, and I, do you know that the turning point for you, was it, was it that last round on the old course? Was that like the turning point where you felt like I'm I'm really starting to get somewhere now. Or the it process was, is starting to kind of like pay off a little bit. It was in the first, because it was, it was actually quite funny. In the first round, I was five over through 14, 15 holes mm. and struggling, still struggling in, in that tournament and managed to birdie like two, like I think birdie two holes coming in and I finished three or four over. And I just, something went to me then, being like, right, it's, it's there. Like you can do it. So I just went out with a bit of a free spirit attitude that second round. And then things, obviously a bit of luck is involved as well by having the rub of the green. Um, and just things were starting to like click into place for me that second round. And I yeah. shot, I shot four under something second round to be a couple of shots back. So I was like, all right, okay, it's, it's there. So I'd say it was more of um, that first round, those last couple of holes being like, you can't do it. Just need a bit of confidence and just trust yourself. Yeah. And then that last round has just been more of a confirmation, really, that yeah, it is. It is there. It, is, it yeah. does work. It, um, it's amazing, though, and they're like, you know, you you must be so like proud to kind of look back now, and you know, up until that round there, 
you must have gone through so many different emotions, like thinking, oh my God, you know, is it ever going to come back? Um, did, did you ever, did you ever think about quitting golf? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, more of a quitting of, Can't. It as a, yeah, 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 it was, yeah. It was just such a dark, like, like such a dark place. Um, but I'm so like proud of myself that I didn't do it and I just managed yeah. to stick through. Um, so you should be. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Like I talked to my parents about it, like it was, I'll never find it a struggle to practice, mm. but when I wasn't allowed to practice. I was practicing like the chipping and stuff and I wasn't allowed to hit full shots. That was kind of like the most difficult bit. And I was going to hide it out of bed, but it was like, oh, well, like, what's the point? Why, why am I trying yeah. to do this? When I yeah. Yeah. Um, it did get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing just listening to it, to be fair. So just ro- rolling on from, uh, from that tournament then, uh, you mentioned you qualified for Palmer Cup. Give everyone an idea what the Palmer Cup is, because I think for, for a lot who've not heard of it, uh, they mm. might not kind of understand the magnitude of, uh, you know, what, what that, that event is all about. Yeah. Um, so the Palmer Cup is, it's the world against America. Mm. So the top uh, 12 men and the top 12 women of collegiate golf um, from America and then from the world play against each other. And, I was lucky enough to be able to be selected on the back of the win in St Andrews. Um, and I was playing, I think, eight of the top ten in the world were there. And I was playing against them. Yeah. And um, it was literally like a junior Ryder Cup. Like, my, I remember my dad, I remember t- uh, rocking up there going to, on the practice round. And my dad was like, oh, I'll come and I'll come watch you play a practice round. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're allowed to, Dad. Like, I, don't, I don't think you're allowed to. And he went, what do you want about? I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. And they rocked up to the gate and these like men with like um um uh, guns were there being like, sorry, who are you? He's like, oh yeah, my son's playing. He's like, no, he's not, not allowed to come in. And then he had to be like packed in on like parking bay uh, in like bay A and you had to be it was proper like the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Um and obviously based on on, on Palmer, he was there every year until he died. He was always present for the Palmer Cup every year until he died. Um, and I think that was maybe only the second year that he was before he passed away. Um, mm. He wasn't able to make it. But I've never experienced anything like it. It is just, it is, as I said, it's literally treated like royalty. You had your own like player's room and you were like watching yourself on TV because the Golf Channel were covering it. Were on, were covering it. Wow. It was just amazing. But what I, something I would definitely take back from that is... How I, how I was able to like compete with mm-hmm. those people. Like like a boy from South Wales going to be able to play and like going to be able to um, play against people like that. It, like it was nice to see that I was able to like compete with those type of players. Yeah, um, and that was death. That was that was probably more of a confirmation more than the um, St Andrews trip. Yeah, I could I could compete even after all like the adversity of <laughs> injury and everything like that that I was still able to do it and that's given me real confidence even now um to still be able to like well, come on this is this just make it a make a dream become reality yeah and like for anybody who still doesn't understand the magnitude of that event and how prestigious it is like i'm probably going to be wrong in what i say here but if you have a look at probably the top 10 players in the world and you scroll back over a 10-year period, you will find the vast majority of those players would have played in the Palmer Cup. Like, it's a, it's a, re, it's a real big deal. And uh, for, you, for you to qualify for that and compete in it, I must have felt so good. Yeah, uh, well, as you said there, um, people know about Matthew Wolf and that Colin Marakawa. They yeah. played the year before, literally the one year before. Yeah. He was in Indian Resort in France, I think. Yeah. And they were playing in it. Uh, um, Hovland was playing in the year before. Yeah. And people like that. Um, Justin Thomas had played in it a couple of years before. Spieth played in it. Like, there's so yeah. many league players that play in it that when you look back and they've been like, oh, yeah, that was a, that was, that was a really good achievement. But then yeah. at the same time, I want to like rest on that. They want to like build exactly. and be, I want, people, I want to be 
one of those players that go, oh yeah, he did play in the he did play in the yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, I played with him. him, him. So, yeah um, yeah yeah. No, that's that's good. Yeah, I, think even, I think even in the um, ceremony, um, Bill Clinton's given us a trophy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, he won the award, Mr. Trophy. It was it was crazy. We ended up going to his um, library in um, Arkansas, in the Bill Clinton Library in Arkansas, and he was like giving a speech and he was like shaking our hands and everything. It was uh, I was so surreal. Amazing. So, like, for from 2019, then, like, outside of Ashburnham and inside of Ashburnham, what what would you say would be your two highlights there? So, kind of like away from the club and at the club, what would be your highlights of that year? Um, let's start so with Ash, let's start with Ashburnham. So my so my two highlights from from Ash playing wise. Well, let's let's just go like what what would from 2019? What would your highlight be? It doesn't have to be playing; it could be anything. Um, and then, what what then would be your highlight in maybe competitions away away from uh, from Ashburnham? Um, so from inside Ash, uh, 2019. I can't remember what I played in 2019. I think 2019 more of it was just more of the progression that I did. More than anything, I'd say, yeah. is the progression of um, when I look back at what I did and look back at the changes I made and the physical changes I made. It was more of those type of things. Um, yeah. And within Ash, I think, obviously, is the John Daly day, definitely. Like, that was just, like, like I I think we're so lucky that no other golf club would ever be able to like, do that. Yeah, Like, I can't imagine any other golf club in Wales, being able to like replicate anything that we did that day. Um, obviously, a lot of credit goes to you there. It was like such an amazing day, and so many people saw that day, and it was, yeah, it was fabulous. To be fair, what, what was that it? Was what it. was it like playing with John Daly? Um, it just, I didn't know what to expect. Really. I was so nervous. I didn't really know what to expect. Even though I was, um, even though I played the stuff like the Palmer Cup and in St Andrews. Like so many of us to play with, like I've never played with somebody of that caliber, mm. and I've had, like so many people know him. Not even playing golf, so many people know him. I don't envy um, the people who teed off the first year. They give Sam uh, Hitchcock and Ellie. I do not envy them at all. And Sophie, I, yeah, I been, yeah, and Sophie exactly. I'd have been shaking on our first tee. So fair play to him for for hitting our first tee shot. I was, I was even shaking on the seventh tee. Like, <laughs> one of them being like, "Oh, make contact with the ball now." But, um, and, and touching on that first tee as well, like Sam, Sophie, and Elliot, their tee shots were so good as well. Yeah, it, it, like, like, like just making contact would have been like acceptable. I would have said, but they all flushed it, and they had yeah. great shots. To yeah. be fair, yeah, like that two in the end or something. Yeah, I was like, I was, I was shaking for them. Honestly, watching yeah, that, yeah, yeah, with a driver head on the seventh tee rather than. A small seven iron on the first. Yeah, but yeah. You, was, you, um, hit, you hit a similar shot, mind off the seventh, because you flushed that drive off the seventh, didn't you? Yeah, I, I. It was one of those things. I don't remember it then. Oh really? I get, yeah, it generally is one of those. I just don't remember really hitting it. I've looked at a few videos. Somebody sent me some video of it, and um, it's something I don't really remember hitting. I should remember like the whole like whole day of it and everything like that, but I don't really remember actually hitting. That first tee shot because it's such a nap, yeah. and I never drive right anyway. <laughs> and I was there in a twenty-yard gap with the bounds. And- oh, Thankfully, managed with a good one. Um, well, I, I yeah. was standing on the tee right, and I was watching you there. And put it this way: if you if you were a driver like that in a fitting session, I would have turned around and I would I'd be escort- escorting you back to the till um, because <laughs> it was it was just that good. It was class. It was a pro- uh, yeah, it was- proper shot. It was such a great day. Yeah, I enjoyed playing with them. Um, it was got the end in the way. I was because mm. he was such a good player, person to play with. He wasn't um, showing. Oh, I'm I'm this and that. I'm amazing. He was like wanting like get to know you and get to like talk about you. Um, yeah, this man Simon Hearn as well. He just he always wanted to get to know you and just like so like down to earth. And it wasn't something I really expected. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, he's he's a re- he's a really like. Uh, He's a really nice guy, and based on I think the way not so much he comes across in the press, but the way in which the press put him across, um, 
I, 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 you know, I, I think it's a big shock for people when they kind of meet him, and it certainly was for for me as well when I first met him. Um, I told a story on the night. You probably can't remember it, but because uh, there was a lot of vodka flowing around that night. On there. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I was, I was, you know, I, I, I was very nervous meeting him for the first time, and it, it just like from the word go, he just puts you at ease, and he just makes you feel kind of comfortable and just easy going yeah. chat and. He's, he's a top, so, top block. So that's, so that's the way he is all the time then? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, he's a, he's a real kind of, um, like, if you were to ask our team when I was working for TaylorMade, um, like, who's one of the players that you'd want to go out for dinner with, it, yeah. it, it'd be him. And it's not because, you know, he's nuts or, yeah. you know, he loves to have a drink or anything. He's just a real nice guy and he's a real good guy to spend uh, spend time with. Um, obviously he, uh, he had a few drinks that night, <laughs> which was interesting. That was funny. I, obviously you all hear these stories about him of being this big drinker, but I never expected him to like do it when no. you're there. Cause he had so many, like eyes on him and everybody seeing him and oh, he, he was brilliant. Like pouring those little Johns. That's it. Everybody drinking out. Oh, it was brilliant. It was, it, was, it was such a good day. You have to make sure they, they get on the menu. No, I know. I don't. I don't know how they got off the menu. To be honest, yeah, I, think, <laughs> I, I think Barry poured on a vodka. That <laughs> no, I think it was. It was good. It did. It did get to a point, mind, uh, in that night where we needed to go into the bar because it was starting to get a little bit out of hand, wasn't it? But I think. It was, uh, yeah, I think too much vodka got drunk, and I think it yeah. Better move, yeah. yeah. It, it transitioned quite well though, because as soon as he got on uh, on the guitar, then and uh, on the on the oh, mic. Oh, I was another thing. He started singing that. Um, I don't know what song he was. Was it Sweet um, Caroline? No, it wasn't no, Sweet Caroline, oh, was it? There's something about like making. He even changed the words to like relate to him, like missing cats and all this sort of thing. Heaven <laughs> <laughs> or something it was. Oh, brilliant! Him to get on the guitar after drinking about a liter of uh, vodka. Yeah, and in the way he did, that oh, was brilliant. And he was there. There in his sliders and his shorts, not changed from nothing. He was just like so relaxed. I mean, that's, I think that's what everybody loved. Yeah, he wasn't putting on like fake persona or no, no, no. John Daly, he was no, he was a real good character. Fair play to him. He was. I think everybody that was there that night would agree he was probably one of the best night the clubs the clubs had. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting, like being involved in. Um, almost like the build-up to it, because we, we had quite a lot of negative feedback, you know, before the actually the event went ahead, yeah, and there was quite a lot of people who were, um, you know, didn't have po- positive things to say about the event, and yeah. they, they were they were kind of like um, giving suggestions on maybe who they would want to come to the club, and, you know, everybody's welcome to their opinion, and it's, f- it's fair enough, um, and, you know, everybody would want, you know, a certain person, you know, who they've kind of grown up watching, playing golf and stuff, you know, and on TV and winning Opens and stuff. But honestly, I think in that environment, he, without a question, is the right type of character um, to be in and, in amongst the members. Because I, I think as soon as, like you mentioned earlier, as soon as you kind of like cross that that line into somebody who wants to come across a certain way and, you know, they're on the clock and... It, you know, it, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's a little bit too um, commercial then, you know, and, and yeah. it, he really wasn't, was he? It was just him. It was just him doing his thing and that, that was the best thing about it. I think, do you think you'd be able to, is there anybody else similar to him on tour that we did a replicate of what he did or would you have to be different? I don't think there's anyone similar to him in the whole world, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but like you know, there's just so many stories, and and also for him to have the success he's had as well, like that's the interesting thing in it, you know, with his his win in the US PGA and the win of the Open and stuff, and you know, it's it's, it's not just a case of him being, you know, having three wives or whatever, and um, you know, lost millions and millions in in casinos. It's more that you know he's actually achieved a lot in golf. Um, I, think, yeah. I think that does get looked looked past. Oh, definitely. Um, I think he was like I think he was the only major winner from America not to have a Ryder Cup pick or something. Yeah, yeah. Like how if he never ride a Cup pick after winning two majors is beyond me. Yeah. I think that he's looked upon as a big gambler, big drinker, uh, with all these wives, and not how good of a golfer he is. Yeah. He's like, and it's, it's, as well, he gets talked about how um, 
Biggie hit how long he hits the ball, and rightly so. But his shot game touched on the greens. Yeah. Uh, his technique as well. He, he does get overlooked so much. Yeah. Because he's so he's so technically good. Really. Yeah. He doesn't look he just like as a fag in his mouth and literally just chips it. Like, might as well do one hand it. But it's actually like, when you actually break it down, it's so technically yeah. good. I'm, I've been working on chipping for like how many hours and I can't then get any, near that. And he just looks like he's rocked up. Yeah, well, pick that up for me. Next just little, talent. Oh, exactly, yeah. It's just raw talent. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, I was, that was a great day. It was, it was really nice to watch him kind of like, because he did like really breeze it around that day, didn't he? Didn't look like he kind of was under any stress whatsoever, hitting a lot of fairways, hitting the greens, you know, what's my number, like, give me the club, hit the shot. Exactly. He's like but when I when I see when I see him play on um tour when he's actually under pressure, he never really changes. It's still no. the same. Yeah, Just exactly. That, that's him. And I think that's such a good quality to have. And it's actually something that I'm like trying to work on in my psychologist as well, is yeah. exactly the same. It doesn't matter whether you're in the last round of the open or you're going out for um, a round in the ash. Yeah. It should be exactly the same. I think that's something that he you can easily learn on. Yeah. The way he like, conducts himself. You never know if he was eight under or eight over. Yeah. And still in John Daly. So. Yeah, you're right, you're right there. And it's, it's almost like you, you shouldn't need it to be a big tournament for you to focus. But at the same time, you know, it, it shouldn't... On the, on the on the flip side of it, then you shouldn't feel really nervous, really anxious when there's a big tournament. It's just like approaching each shot the same, with the same intent, with the same diligence, and um, just going through that process. Mm. So I think I've seen seen loads of members do that when it's like gold and silver weeks coming up. Like loads of people are practicing, loads of people yeah. are getting really nervous. Like I'm not drinking the night before. And it's like you then you then you see them shoot nowhere near what they know what they're normally capable of yeah. doing. Like if I kept it doing the same, I know gold and silver is the biggest thing in the club. But if we just kept it as if it was the, you know, as if it was the call of a bowl or something, yeah, you play equally if not better. Yeah. Um, I think keeping that same routine all the time is uh, vitally important. I I do as well. And as as bad as it is, is like if your routine to play in in a competition, a club level is to have ten points the night before. Have ten pints the night before, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, keep 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 it keep it the same. Don't do anything different because you're just going to be out of routine. It's going to feel different, you know. It's psychology is going to be very different. You're going to be aware of things which you're not normally aware of. And uh, we have to, that probably come in even in um, when I played for Wales golf. When I played for Wales in the quadrangular, and you're in the under 15s quadrangular up in Scotland in Archfield Lakes. Mm. And um, what a place, by the way. Ah. Amazing. We say yeah. those lodges, oh, class. Yeah. Um, and we saw we saw the Irish boys halfway hats eating like Mars bars and eating coke and drinking coke. And I'm not saying that's the right thing, but it's that what they've done. That's what they've done. Yeah. But we were like, we couldn't even eat bread the night before with our soup. We couldn't even have um, any sort of like dessert. But it relevant. It, if you don't do that on a regular basis, like keep doing it. Yeah. But you can't change somebody from eating mass bars and a cork halfway around you can't change that no you should always eat it the same and i yeah. think that's something that even elite um places like wales golf have even changed their views over the last couple of years um because we never saw that nutritionist again actually after that after that week oh crazy. really i genuinely got he got he got sad i think he got sacked we never saw him again the, like, the thing is boiled egg and and, yeah, yeah the, you, you're not going to see you're not going to see the benefits of doing that once or twice you know you're only going to see the benefits of doing that by putting it into a process into a routine and all of a sudden then if you did have a bottle of coke and a mars bar on the ninth where you used to have a boiled egg and a packet of nuts um you, that that's going to be you know a, a disadvantage to you as a player then but you know if you normally have a bottle of coke and a mars bar on the golf course have a bottle of coke and a mars bar on the golf course <laughs> it's what your body would be used to this is, this is what we were so confused. I like, don't worry, I probably needed to lose weight around that time anyway, but I like lost weight yeah. after after playing that week. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, why on earth did I do that? But yeah. you have to listen, obviously, because the whole interesting yeah, 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 to say yeah. it. But, uh, but it, was, yeah, it, was, it was quite interesting that we never saw him again after that yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> Class. And what, what was, just 
touching on the question before, we we went down a bit of a rabbit hole there on the John Daly thing, right. and and rightly so, rightly so. Um, what what was what would be your highlight of two thousand and nineteen uh, away from Ashburnham? Um, probably what we touched on before was um, that Palmer Cup. I think mm. that's a highlight. Probably my best highlight of my golfing career so far. Um, it was just like didn't realize how big it was. Um, and then when I look back on it now, it's just like such as like literally like a mini Ryder Cup. Um, the amount of things that I took away from that, learned from it, um, just a lot of self belief away from that. Um, mm. was definitely one of the major things. Uh, that's maybe something I struggled with, especially maybe after my injury. Yeah. Um, was that kind of like self belief? Um, I think I've definitely like regained that. And it's definitely something that I've not going to like rest on my, um, not going to rest on that and be like, yeah, I, I was a part of that. As I said, I want to be. Yeah, come one of the people who are saying, "Oh, he did play that. He did play yeah. that," um, and that's what I'm hoping to. That's what I'm working on now to be able to say that. Yeah, good. And and what what kind of uh, what kind of goals have you got over the next couple of years? It's probably hard to say with the uncertainty of what events and stuff are going to go on. But what what even a process goal? What what are your kind of goals now? Um, now and so you know, I'm talking about more of an outcome goal. I'd say. Walker Cup is definitely something that I want to achieve. Definitely mm. my radar the next couple of years. Um, that's a goal I'd like to achieve. Um, I think getting into like my getting into that fifth year, I think a tour card, get, get my tour card, mm. European tour, I think that's definitely something I want to achieve as well. Um, and it's just getting better physically, mentally, um, technically, just setting these goals that I I want to do um, if I'm doing some work myself on my swing over the next couple of, year, uh, next couple of years. Yeah. I want to just be able to see that progression like I did in 2019. Yeah. Like I saw my bet, I look back and I've been like, yeah, I did hit those that that, that goal. Um, I think that's definitely something that I'm also going to be doing as well because mm. I've become a little bit maybe too outcome focused on my goals as well. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kind of try to like revert a little bit back to it and just achieve more technical, physical, mental goals. Yeah. Um, walk a cup and my talk out is definitely something I want to do in the next five years. Nice, nice, nice goals there are. And I hope you, uh, hope you get both of them. That'd be amazing. So. Yeah. Be class. Yeah. Um, we've been going 52 minutes here and it feels like 10, um, which, and I'm, I'm conscious that I don't want to keep you uh, too long. So, I thought what would be quite nice is like we're obviously building up the junior section again. Uh, we're starting to have some uh, some success in terms of it's growing. We're starting to get more juniors coming through. They're doing quite well as well, which is nice. For any of the juniors who are listening, based on your experience going through, uh, you know, all of the squads and you know using different coaches and stuff, what would be your advice to any juniors who want to become good as golfers um yeah just give us a couple of pointers really for any juniors who who want to become really good golfers based on your experience of going through kind of you know all the well set up and you know your your experience with injuries as well mm-hmm. um one main thing and i still try to do myself now it's just like enjoy playing mm. enjoy going out there like look forward to go out and play um just we're so lucky to be able to play golf um, as a hobby, maybe as a job, whatever. But just enjoy playing. Yeah, like it's such a fun game. Everybody can play it. Like enjoyment is definitely one of the best things, and that's something. That's something. If I stop, if I stop enjoying to play the game, I probably stop playing. Stop playing. Yeah. I'd be like, so fun. just have fun. Go out, enjoy. Hit the ball as hard as you can, as far as you can. Enjoy play it because that's something you. That's something you told me when I was when I was younger. Remember being on the range. Trying to it as hard and as far as you can, especially when you're a youngster. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there, I think that that's that's like a, a really really good point there, because I think as juniors you tend to get kind of you know guided and um, influenced by a, a lot of different people. Some of them will be uh, junior organisers. Some of them will be parents, guardians. Uh, coaches as an example and I 100% agree with you that the fun can very quickly and very easily be taken out of the game and I think that is without doubt probably the best bit of information any junior can can have is just make sure that what you're doing is still fun 
and it's still enjoyable to go out to play. And if you don't like playing in competitions, don't play in competitions. If you really like playing in competitions, you go and play in competitions. Um, and 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 don't be afraid to kind of uh, you know just do what you enjoy, with without yeah, question. I touch on the next one I was going to say was the um, like the mini tours, like those mini tours. I think Wales Arena was like a ping mini tour, and I used to play in the YMCA. That's it, yeah. And that's what kind of made me realize, oh, I enjoy playing competitive golf. But then you might go there and go, you know, competitive golf isn't for me. I'd rather go out on a Saturday with my dad, with my mum, and go out and play 18 year olds carefree. Mm. And that's like, that's fine. It's completely, loads of people do that, like completely understandable. Um, but those those mini tours are definitely something that when I look back, I know great to play in. Like, yeah. I loved it, um, and that's something that made me. So I was playing rugby at the time, um, and that's something that made me realise like I actually look forward to going to play um, golf more than I do rugby. So yeah. when I'm playing rugby, and yeah. that's, why I, that's why I changed. Yeah. I'm enjoying. I love playing it more. Like I look forward to playing, like, finishing my rugby game, and going to play golf in the afternoon with my dad. Yeah, and that's something. Um, I love doing and um, I think if I had to give one more bit of advice is listen like listen to your parents your coaches um, you don't know better than them yeah uh, that's something I used to do I remember having so many tantrums with my dad like on the on the on a few tees I looked like I remember like um, thinking back about it like they know more than you especially when you're like very young yeah you do know more like listen don't have any tantrums. Obviously, it's going to happen because I still have tantrums now. <laughs> but um, just like listen to your coaches, listen to their advice because they're there to help you and not to hinder you. Yeah. Um, that's something definitely that I would also say is like enjoy, listen, and just like, yeah, just have fun, quote, and enjoy playing the game because we're so lucky to be able to play. Yeah. And, and I, I, I couldn't agree more with you on both the points there. And I, th- I still think that. You know, you, we could almost do a podcast year just on like junior golf and you know how to enjoy it. You know, as a junior, and I think the more you enjoy it as a junior, the longer you're going to stay playing the game, the more chance you you're going to have of getting better as well. Because you know, three years of enjoying it and not being too serious is way better than one year being really serious, really competitive, not enjoying it, and then giving up. And um, I think there's there's so many other things to being involved in a golf environment that you get as a junior. It's not just about you know learning how to swing the club properly and learning how to get the golf ball around the golf course in as least shots as possible. You know, there's there's a lot of um, you know personality traits which I've certainly picked up when I was a junior. Uh, you l- learn a lot of respect, um, you know, for people around you. And I've I've got friends now. We're probably 20, 30 years older than me, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. And, and people like, can, you know, go and go and, you know, sit down and have a drink with and, you know, speak to them like they're my friends and, and vice versa as well. It's younger people as well. You know, I'm no spring chicken anymore. Um, but, you know, it, it, it does. It, it just makes you so much more sociable and develops you as, as a person. And I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant sport for kids to get involved in. Yeah, because that's no other. No, no other sport can do that. You can't no. play. You can't have an eleven-year-old playing with a fifty-year-old. No, like you just you don't see it in any other sports. No, I think that's so lucky to be able to have a sport like that and enjoy it. Like you said, I can have a drink with somebody who's in their sixties. I could also have a drink with somebody who's younger than me. I yeah. think that's that's like the other sport. Um, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember even now. I got vivid memories of of going to the golf course and and playing with um, two guys in particular. I can remember both sadly passed away now, but um, you know, I just remember them. Kind of, my parents didn't play golf at the time, and you know, they they took me up there. They even came to pick me up, you know, outside the house. Chucked my clubs in the car, took me round, played around a golf for me, and um, and dropped me home as well. And you just can't imagine that in other sports, can you? You know, I'm going to take you rugby training, or I'm going to take you to a game, or whatever. You know, it just it seem weird, wouldn't it? Exactly. I think I think that's why we're so lucky to be able to play such like an amazing game. Yeah. Um, There's so many people from different parts of life. It's uh, yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're pretty much bang on an hour. That was that was good. I really enjoyed that. Um. <laughs> Any other things that you wanna you wanna mention before we before we finish? Anything that 
we've kind of um, missed out on. I, I've, I've luckily I've asked you all of my uh, questions and we've delved into things a lot deeper than than I thought. Yeah, obviously, yeah, obviously, it didn't touch on my injury. Now the one like my oh yeah, of course, because you mentioned that, didn't you? Um, but yeah, I can do that again anyway. Um, it's pretty much it. Yeah, that's the only other thing I had really in mind. But yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's let's use that for a, a, another podcast in uh, in the future. I will. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there'll be lots more to talk about. I agree. I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> Alex Greville, thank you very, very much for your time. I'm so grateful and uh, we'll make sure we'll get this podcast out uh, pretty soon. I know there was one out today, um, so we'll probably put this out next week. But yeah, thank you very much for your time. I'm so grateful and uh, yeah, all all the best in the future. Thank you very much. See you on the call soon, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you. Top man out. Yeah, she's done.